Welcome to The Boundless Self, a podcast that is here to explore all of the ways in which we limit ourselves. Together, we will explore the deep, messy, exciting, and often uncomfortable topics to identify and heal everything that keeps you from believing in your boundless potential. I'm your host, Kathleen McBride, and becoming boundless changed everything for me. Now I run a life and a business embracing my own fears and helping people all around the world to believe in themselves. Tune into each episode and join me on your journey of becoming your most boundless self. Welcome back to another episode of The Boundless Self. Today is part two of my episode with the amazing Kendall. She is a coach for women, a trauma coach, an empowerment coach. She does all the amazing things and I'm going to call it, but really specializing in the area of relationships, breakups, all that good stuff. Definitely and- where I'm at at the moment. <laughs> And if you haven't listened to part one, we recorded an episode previously, which was the right way to do a breakup. And it was amazing. Today, we're going to have a really quick episode going into dating again with an anxious attachment style. So we're going to run you through what are the different attachment styles. And then when you're dating again, if you know that you have an anxious attachment style, we want to arm you with a list of non-negotiables that your future partner needs. Almost like a list of red flags that you know are going to be ultimate no's for you because they're going to trigger and upset that anxious part of you and it's not going to be healthy for you in the long run. So, Kendall, what are attachment styles? Tell us about them. Get ready. Attachment styles. And I feel like attachment styles are such like a buzzword at the moment. Like (laughs) It's very trendy. It's very trendy to know your attachment style and to have what an insecure attachment style. It's very trendy. (laughs) Um, so attachment styles, attachment styles really come, they're about the attachment that, let me try and explain this right. They stem from the attachment that you formed with your primary caregiver as an infant, Mm -hmm. because as you've said many times and throughout your other podcasts and our podcasts previously, as infants, as children, we rely solely on our caregivers, on our parents to help us to survive, Mm -hmm. to meet our needs, to regulate our emotions and our nervous systems like we are literally little blobs mm-hmm. that cannot fucking look after <laughs> helpless, ourselves yeah. helpless little yeah. blobs and like our attachments how we attach is like how do we connect with another human being you know and like for so many people the attachments that they had to the appearance and caregivers if we think about the trauma the collective trauma that was experienced you know during wars and during different times and the different parenting styles like the fads that were out in the books you know even you know there's been so many almost fashions of how to deal with the crying baby yeah you know like so many different fashions like we see you know cry it out don't cry it out out. like if you let them cry it out they're gonna die and get illnesses or if you um coddle them too much like there's so much and like so much pressure you know to be the perfect parent but and I want to that make it is... clear too, no one gets out of childhood unscathed. <laughs> like you could have the most perfect parents in yeah. the world and you'll still pick up some weird little traits yeah. that you'll have to unwire at some totally. point. Yeah. And attachment really is the thing where it can be the smallest thing as a baby that happens. And if it happens over and over, that can form an insecure attachment style later down and later down the track. So like how safe am I to connect with another human? Yeah. And like how do I cope with this? How do I cope yeah. with connection? How was love and affection and connection demonstrated to me as an infant? How did I feel connected or disconnected from mm-hmm. a parent? And what did I learn to do in order to regain that connection? Yes. All of those little parts. Basically, how did I keep safe as a child with my parents or caregivers? Yeah. And we see that replicated in our the way that we connect with people right particularly in relationships hashtag daddy issues (laughs) um hashtag string of emotionally unavailable men um (laughs) 
don't even get started yeah that's how that translates so you've got your secure attachment which is is you know that's the golden pedestal that's what yeah. we're and what just we are remember, hoping to be i don't think life will be very fun if you were just super secure all the time and i, think, I don't either add a bit of spice add a bit of toxic yes um but i think that there are even on this journey like a hundred percent now i've been doing this work for a long time i come from a very anxious background but there are a hundred percent parts of me that are very securely attached however there are also parts of me that get triggered in certain experiences because like you so say so well as the body doesn't understand time it doesn't understand that this was happening in my childhood, you know, 20 years ago. And some old mate up the road that you've started to date. It reminds is, is me. Triggering yeah. that. It's reminding me of how my dad gave me yeah. inconsistent love. Exactly. And you're right back to where you were as an yes. infant trying to win back his love or terrified mm. that the love's going to be ripped away from you. Fuck yes, yeah. So gotcha. secure attachment is I am safe to connect with other people and I feel safe to connect with other people. Yeah. yeah. And you are, you are safe and capable of the give and the take. You've got the emotional availability. So if somebody leaves... You're, you're not okay. going to lose your shit. And if somebody gets really close to you, you're also not going to get triggered. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's that security. And I love what you were saying about how there's parts of you that are secure and there's parts of you that are easily triggered. That's that thing. I feel like attachment styles, and it's a good thing to preface in here, particularly if you've read the book Attached, mm. um, it, it can make you feel like you're labelled with a mm-hmm. label that someone's just slapped on you. We're not labelling you today, We're okay, not. We are not. It's <laughs> been slapped on you. Don't attach to your attachment style. Exactly, because it can change. It can change throughout your life depending on the experiences that you're going. And it can change on the relationship. It can change based, based on the partner. on the partner, yes. Exactly, and that's what this episode is about because we want you, if you identify as an, atta- an anxious attachment, you're going to want to be with a secure partner. Yeah. So it- tell us what is anxious and what's avoidant attachment so what make let's go what makes an avoidant attachment style what does that look like right so an avoidant and it's really great to explain them together because the anxious attachment dynamic is so interesting and it's so interesting how they often find each other even though they're like magnets but it's almost like the law of polarity right it is yeah they are so polar opposite in the sense that like avoid chase me and then oh i need to run away you know oh i'm gonna chase you but oh i'm gonna pretend to run you know exactly and so the avoidant they have they are uncomfortable with closeness closeness threatens their independence it threatens their safety it threatens what they know as safe kind and familiar i think safe is where i think familiar is the better word so almost like i'm envisioning someone like how you would learn an avoidant attachment style is you had a very overpowering parent so someone that was really in your face somebody that was really like tell me what's going on or someone that was really distant Mm. and i noticed this a lot in the people i've dated in the past (laughs) they're avoidant i hope you're listening (laughs) oh my god if they were (laughs) (laughs) Um, is that they have had because I've dated a string of them Right, and the same time the same time the avoided emotionally available men is that that is what they grew up with was they grew up with a distant a distant parent Mm, so they Um, mimicked that distance they thought that's how I connect with or this is how I live my life as I I'm distant from It's people. what you become familiar with. Mm. Is that as a child, they were familiar with the distance. So mm. they grew, they created protective coping mechanisms to deal, aka avoidance, yeah. to deal with the feelings that were brought up about being disconnected from their primary caregiver, mm. about not feeling like all their, their needs were being met. Right. And so that's one direction so feeling, you can go. And feeling distant, feeling separate from others yeah. has become so familiar to them that now that we... closeness... Have, 
threatened that the mill exactly yeah. and so they're running away they're like whoa closeness too much yeah. avoid it triggers shit in me i don't know how to deal with it mm. whereas an anxious can also come from the same situation in terms of disconnection but mm. they are leaning towards the no but please don't yes. please don't disconnect you can't see kendall she's using her I'm hands literally like <laughs> please yeah. like you I can like i'm going to die think about again like really crying when a, actually when a toddler is throwing a tantrum you know when they get really upset and they just want their mum and they're like reaching up you know they want their parent they need it and that's I think that's what it feels like to have an anxious attachment style it's literally like help me or I'm gonna die I can't figure this out help me help me help me help me help me like I just yeah. need to be close to you to feel safe again so if you take that into a relationship sense if you are the anxious and you're going help me help me help me mm-hmm. and you're with a partner who's going run away yes. this i can't help you i'm not i'm an avoidant i can't help you I'm, I'm moving away from it that's going to continue and exacerbate that anxiety mm. that fear of disconnection that fear of losing someone that fear of being abandoned which is a really common theme in, a, in an anxious attachment mm. um very fearful place it's to a be fearful in. place yeah. to be whereas if you were dating um secure attachment for example they have no problem with going okay i'm going to come towards you i can help you Mm. i can be here with you Mm. um and it's interesting too because people will be like oh what about avoidance and secures and i remember asking my therapist about this being like well can an avoidant and secure work and they're like usually secure people won't put up with the bullshit of an avoidant ah they get sick of the chase because they know they're like yes you can go away from me but if you're going to keep running away from me i don't actually need Mm. you whereas an anxious person will keep going please come back please come back please come back and that tendency to keep trying to re-establish connection and that's because of the familiarity isn't it so this is where it's really important when it's looking at your attachment style it's looking back to your childhood and your experiences it stems from your attachment yeah and my favorite question to ask when i start doing work around a client's childhood is to say tell me about the parent that you have the most like you have the hardest relationship with and that'll be the parent yep. that gave you the attachment yes. wound like that guarantee it guaranteed <laughs> yeah you can take that to the bank and you get to look at that relationship and go oh and you see it mimicked in your life and i know certainly for me like i have seen that attachment style play out and i it's it's literally in an attempt to fix it it's in an attempt to heal it because you go oh if i can fix this childhood pain i felt from having a parent that was you know not available enough or was too anxious or didn't give me love or you know didn't meet my needs didn't meet my needs if i can fix that in this new relationship that i'm in then i'm good you know like uh, let me try and fix it you know and again I think that's really cool like we are we have these innate pieces of wisdom inside of us that are constantly trying to heal like when we talk about falling back into the same patterns always dating the emotionally unavailable man you're a part of you that's controlling that is saying i want you to fucking heal this i want you to be put in that situation again and i want you to make a different decision right and like that's pretty fucking cool that you get put in that situation again and again and again until you know universe is being like hey i believe in you i'm going to give it to you another time i'm going to give it to you until you get it right you know until you realize that avoidance will trigger the shit out of you yes and that's the thing it's not to demonize the anxious avoidance relationship because in some cases it can absolutely work i know friends um who absolutely have an anxious avoidant dynamic but it can still work mm, it's I think just it's the people's 
uh, tendency and want and desire and curiosity to do the work. Like yes. when I said at the beginning, there's parts of me that are secure and there's parts of me that are anxious. We're all fucking human. We're all going to get triggered from time to time, especially in relationships. Relationships are here to trigger us, to evolve us to our oh greatest. Oh my God, the biggest yeah, mirrors. To our oh. greatest potential though. They That's why it's so important not to shut yourself off because they are going to get you to grow, you know? Um, but when we get into these relationships, you are trying to heal that attachment style. That's what's happening. But there is always going to be a part of you, no matter how much work you've done, that's really common. I find a lot of clients, even myself, like I've taken a, a full year off, you know, being in a relationship. And I know as soon as I go back into a relationship, I'm going to get triggered into my anxious attachment again. You know, it's just going to happen. And even though there are so many parts of me that are secure, there's still going to be those parts that are going to be anxious. So I guess when we're talking about can an anxious and avoidant relationship work, I think it's dependent on how strong is that attachment style? Is the person even aware of it? Are they actively working to work towards being more secure? And are they actively and wanting to be in relationship with their partner and meet their needs? Exactly, you know? exactly. And it really comes down to, for me, as someone who's also identifies as, you know, anxious, leans more anxiously attached, and it certainly has in past relationships been a huge issue, I can't be bothered with that bullshit anymore. <laughs> like, quite frankly, I, I'm done. I'm over it. I'm over trying to... Brother, go, brother. Literally, because someone explained to me once that anxious attachment, you are only as as secure as your last interaction with that person. Whoa. You are only as secure as your last interaction. That's so fucking true because even yeah, though... Like, let's blew say, my mind. Yeah, even though you might have had 10 secure interactions with them where everything was fine... But the last one that you had was like something went wrong. Slightly. Slightly like they slammed the door too loudly when they left by accident or something. That's, that's the thing that sticks out and triggers that's that what anxiety. will ruminate that anxiety. And that's what will bring up all of those patterns of like the overthinking, mm. the relationship anxiety, the fear of losing, that fear of abandonment, that fear of them going away. Yeah. So it's that. Oh and that's when we get into that passion of trying to heal. We get obsessive and what some, what an avoidant would often call needy or overbearing yes. because, you know, you might be texting them a lot or like wanting to solve it right away. Mm. But it's because coming from you're, you're so anxious. Because you're so anxious. Because if you can repair that, then the anxiety goes, goes away. away if you can create an another interaction a that leaves experience. you feeling secure then you're, good. you're yeah. calm you're back to peace but again. i can't be bothered with that shit anymore <laughs> so i will not i will yeah. not be dating that's probably really loud on the mic i will it. not be dating another avoided man I love it. so kendall tell us if you resonate with being an anxious having it and resonate with having parts of you that have an anxious attachment style what when you're going to date again what things are you what are the red flags what are the red flags for within a partner that you'll be like nah you know yes and this was something that i did when i was in therapy during my breakup and it was an absolute godsend to be in therapy i happened to be in therapy already for daddy issue reasons <laughs> and then a breakup happened and i was like well, we're here now. And it was great because I was talking to her about this. I've always dated these avoidant men that just didn't love me the way I wanted to be loved. And it made me feel like I was needy and that my anxious attachment was the, the thing that was broken within me. But she was like, okay, so we need two lists. We need a list of your non-negotiables in terms of your non-negotiables of what you must have with a partner in order to feel safe and secure and loved and like your, all your needs are being met. Mm. Can, and we, this, can you give us some examples of those? Because again, yeah. I think this could be an exercise anyone listening could do, right? Oh. Yeah, so I literally have a list on my phone of my perfect partner <laughs> at the top. If you, could, if, you, if you could see it, it's a whole list. And, there's a, <laughs> and, these, and that's the thing too, is that these lists, these non-negotiable lists are 
a lot of the points will be unique to you. Mm-hmm. Um, for an example, I've always dated people that have had a parent who has had alcohol or substance abuse issues. So for me, that's an absolute no. Mm-hmm. because it's a common pattern that has been an issue yeah and i'm just not touching it anymore cool. but there are some absolutely like general ones so for, for, for an anxious attachment emotional availability is mm-hmm. essential what are we looking for when you're first starting to date someone how do you know if they're emotionally available okay is yes. there a test we can give them <laughs> i wish there was honestly i wish there was <laughs> we had like a walk like, like a certificate they had i am certified emotionally available <laughs> We should create we that. We should definitely create should that. Create, that would be cool, we'll do a service to people everywhere. Okay. <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the first date. Here's I'm the, certified as this? emotionally available by Kathleen and Kendall. Yeah. <laughs> and so emotional availability is around how do they deal with an emotional experience, whether it be their own emotional experience or someone that they're close to. Mm. You know, how do they how do they talk about their emotions? Can they talk about their emotions? Ooh, sit with that right there. Can they talk Can about their emotions? Can they talk about yeah. the difficult emotions? So I emotions? guess even like, you know, because it was when you date someone, you're telling about your, their lives and, you know, even asking them that question, oh, like, how did that feel? Yes. You know, and just seeing what comes up and seeing what, what topics they go into and seeing, like, watching their body and how if they're safe and comfortable and open to talk about it or if they're... Openness, that's openness, a real key word, yeah. Yeah, openness. How open are they? Because mm. you can sense, particularly... Um, and you'll be like me, intuitive beings. Mm. And I think women are, you can are for the most part, you can, when someone shuts down, right? And I yep. think you can start to really, and as an anxious, we start, if you've been an anxious in relationship dynamics where your anxious attachment has been exacerbated, you begin to sort of doubt your own instincts because you can brush it off as being like, oh, it's just because I'm anxiously attached. Yes. I want you, when yep. you're starting to date again, come back to your instincts because mm. you will be able They're to... They're usually right in the beginning. They're usually fucking yeah. right. They say it's your, your, you your intuition yeah. for a reason. Like, you will be able to feel when you're asking these sorts of explorative questions around emotion, emotions or past experiences to sort of like try and... <laughs> little bits of information you'll be able to sense whether someone is shutting down or whether they're uncomfortable or whether they're withdrawing mm-hmm. when you feel that it doesn't necessarily mean waving a red flag right there but it is something to keep in the back of your mind to see how big of an issue it is i mean some people generally get uncomfortable most some there's generally topics that all people feel uncomfortable talking about mm-hmm. but it's how willing are they to actually go through that if they sort of start to tiptoe in it and then they very quickly change the conversation or crack a joke mm-hmm. you know like chandler on friends is <laughs> a clear example yeah up until very Monica uncomfortable or someone yeah. who is um what we like to call fearful avoidant mm-hmm. Um, but he's very avoidant and very emotionally unavailable. And you can see that in his cracking of the jokes. Yeah. So that's a really great example. Very obvious, yeah. But example. a very example yeah. of it. Um, so if he looks anything like Chandler, <laughs> run. Uh, I'm kidding. At least you're one. It's just yeah. like, it's sort of put in your mind. I feel like everyone yeah. has friends, so you've got to know it. Yeah. What's the um, next one? So it doesn't shut down around your emotions or your anxiety. Oh, this was such a good one you talked about before, right? Yeah. So like, can and can you handle me when I cry? Can yes. you like? Are you going to treat me with love and with compassion if I'm feeling an emotion? You know? Exactly. Like, if you I told you me? I'm anxious, what would you do? Mm. If I told you I'm upset, what would you do? Yeah. Like, and I mean, you don't I have think, to quiz them. But. No, I quite like to quiz them <laughs> because I think it's a, again, I think it's a really great test of like, take me as I am. Yeah. I for me personally, and not everyone's like this, but I'm kind of like, let me get to the point. I do like when you're yeah. dating. Not obviously, don't do this. I wouldn't recommend doing this on the first, first. date. Get it like a general. What would you do if I was anxious? Go. <laughs> 
you're probably going to come across this a lot. But like, can I put that on my Tinder bio? Like, as one of my questions? Is that no hinge? Is that hinge? Yeah. What would you do if I'm yes. anxious? Yeah. Great. Let me know. I mean, yeah. that really is getting straight to the point. I love it. Because I think that's sort of the pr- approach I take to dating now is just a no bullshit approach. Mm. And that comes with that I don't want to be, I don't want to get sucked back into an avoidant unhealthy dynamic stressful dynamic again i want to get straight to the point i want to be direct i don't want to play the games i don't want to deal with bullshit yeah and so wait a couple of dates and then you know if the vibe is right start sort of gently asking these questions you know around what would you do if i cried or like what would you do if someone cries around you mm. you know what would have when you was ever, the last time you, you cried when was the yeah. last time you cried <laughs> also a great question, great question yeah. um you know have you had an experience with um someone who is anxious you know yes. or things like that yeah. just to see how they deal with it how comfortable they are with dealing mm-hmm. with it um and I how that. forthcoming they are with their answers yes and, and again using that intuition of going i think they're being genuine here or are they just pulling something mm. out of their ass and telling me what i want to hear i love it so we have emotional availability we have openness yeah um and what let's do one more what is one more that's going to be on your your so list this one i think is really important is knowing what their dynamics were with their parents and their family oh we love this one but yeah you know i mean maybe this is just unique to me because of the work that i do yeah. on myself and with like, clients you have daddy or mommy issues literally, <laughs> literally the joke with my friends used to be that i only date boys with mummy issues <laughs> And so now I'm like, if you have issues with your mom, yeah. red flag. Yeah. So, and, and it's really interesting to know because going back to what we were talking about before about how your attachment wounds stem from the relationships you had with your caregivers, mm-hmm. if you know a bit about this and what, as we've explained, you know, what makes up the avoidant, what makes up the anxious, what makes up the secure, if you learn about their upbringing, what their relationship was like, was like with their parents as a child and also now, what the dynamic was, you can get a pretty clear idea of where they sit in that sort mm-hmm. of spectrum. You know, if their parents were really supportive, had a healthy relationship, um, were loving and caring and good dynamics, you can go, okay, they're, they're probably on their path to being more secure. Yeah. If they had, you know, their mum or dad wasn't really around or they had a, a, you know, an emotional or physical come and go with some of their parents or their parents were really overbearing, maybe there was um, alcohol or substance issues in there, abuse, they're probably going to be more on the avoidant or, or anxious spectrum. So it's a really great idea, a way to just get an, a better understanding of, you know, what makes this person that sat in front of you for a date, what makes them them? Because mm-hmm. your past experiences directly influence who you are in this present moment. Yes. Especially and understanding how aware they are, if there are some things in there that, you know, were unhealthy, that were... Are they tra- even aware? Are they even are aware, they aware that aware? there is some mm. issues and some unhealthy dynamics there or mm. are they just kind of like Ugh, yeah it happened whatever i don't even want to think about it yeah so red flag for avoidance yes like mm. how how when how aware mm. are they how willing are they to understand that what happened in their childhood affects them today yeah. and are they you know it's, it's not a it doesn't have to be a non-negotiable but like for some people it might be are they working on that and i think that really links through to so many shared values of growth like i know for me when i go into dating i'm always looking for is this person that I'm dating, do they have a desire to grow and evolve and change as I do? Or are they wanting to stay the same? And when somebody has that real desire to grow and evolve, it means that they want to adventure. It means that they have learned curiosity. They know that their past shapes their future. They know that there's usually some work that you get to continue to do on yourself throughout your whole life. They know that, you know, so shared values as well is so, yes. full compatibility, you know, is so important as well. And compatibility mm. is really important in that like dating in an anxious state mm. because you need to be with someone that you're compatible 
people with. <laughs> I mean, everyone needs to be somewhere. from someone who, on a date with someone, told them I loved snowboarding and I was really, really good and I had never snowboarded in my life. I love that. I've been with this person for a couple of years and... <laughs> I had to come clean, all right? And it was not fun. And like I remember- the snow when he took yeah. you, he's like, strap on your boots and you're like, how do I- I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Um, I made many excuses, but I think, yeah, it is really important to, yeah, look for that compatibility. But certainly for me as an anxious attachment style, one of the most hilarious things was being the chameleon. Like I used to try and be who I thought that they needed yes. me to be and put on a mask. Like I used to fucking pretend to be into skateboarding and to um, yeah, be into just the wildest, craziest things because I thought their shared interest could be my shared interests. That's how I actually got into the gym was because a guy that I liked was super into the gym and I was like, oh, I'm going to get into the gym. Um, that is an element mm, of an anxious attachment that I feel like isn't talked about enough is that being the chameleon. Mm. Chameleoning. 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 <laughs> And it is that thing and it comes right back to you've experienced disconnection in the past growing up and it felt really yeah. fucking uncomfortable and so, like, who so I you am don't good want enough. to yeah. who I am is exactly yeah. that, that abandonment wound those parent wounds mm. daddy issues mummy issues yeah. and going how can your brain has gone how can I stop myself from ever experiencing those mm. feelings again I am going to adapt and be a chameleon to mirror whatever it is for this person that in front of me that I quite like and would not like to lose from my life wants because yes. then they will go oh they're like me and then they'll, they'll stay and they're creating like trying to falsely create that sense of compatibility yes. you know but it's ingenuine yeah and because it's, it's gonna end yeah because if you are creating a connection and i think this is so important mm. in dating in general but particularly for anxious attachments is being honest yeah being yourself knowing that you are not too much knowing that your needs are not too much that there is someone out there multiple people out there who are more than willing to meet your needs because if you're if you're an anxious and you've been in a unhealthy dynamic relationship you will be made to feel like your needs were way too much yeah. and that no one will be able to meet them that you're asking too much no you are not too much your needs are not too much your needs are needs for a reason you're not needy you yeah. are not needy you're not needy you just have needs like every single human being in the world yeah. literally <laughs> and so going into dating and being honest and being yourself because if you are chameleoning and going oh no I'm really chill oh my I'm god so when you yes. and I'm like I'm you the least chill person in the world literally. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I honestly went on I, I went on a date it was like I think it was a third or fourth date and he was like you just seem really chilled and like collect like kick and you back. were like you don't know me and all. usually yeah. I would have gone oh my god that's such I would have gone that is compliment. the biggest compliment yeah. ever it means my chameleoning <gasps> has it's been amazing. successful yeah. he thinks I'm so chilled and like that. oh my god look at me go I literally said him I was like I'm not chilled and laid back yeah and wow, we had a fantastic discussion about it and it was amazing in the sense that I was like wow this is the first time I've owned that fact mm. that I'm not the chillest person on earth when my needs are being met yeah i'm easy breezy yeah when my needs are not being met i'm gonna be mad yeah i'm gonna be a little difficult to deal with yeah but that's just me and owning that because it is important too because if you are being honest with someone and the fear with being honest particularly in dating is the rejection of being like <laughs> they're gonna see it particularly if you're an anxious attachment the oh, rejection yeah. the sting is so yeah, much worse the sting oh and you're you're going you're holding back yourself because you're like they're gonna if they reject me that's gonna feel horrible horrible yeah, i'm not about to deal with that horrible yeah. but actually the rejection is good because if yeah. they can't handle your truth why the fuck would you want to be with them anyway mm. if they can't handle just your truth about who you are why would you want to give them access to all the magical parts of and you, you know? can't form a yeah. long-term healthy sustainable relationship mm. off someone who doesn't know and fully accept and love 
who you are. Yeah. So okay. why why have the lies? Why dull yourself down? Why hold back your truth? Why chameleon yeah. yourself? Because it's not actually going to lead mm. to a successful relationship. Honesty and being yourself. And I think that comes back being to... Being authentic. Yes, like we spoke about this in part one of this, which was really getting to know yourself outside of a relationship and really getting to yeah. know who you are and owning that and learning, yeah, learning authenticity and freedom and expression. I feel like so many people who come to probably both of us to work on themselves, all they're looking for is one, like, who the fuck am I and how do I be that and own that in the world? How do I be okay with who I am? How do I start to like and then maybe even love who I am how do I start to even like it's that classic RuPaul like yeah. what is it how can you love you you've got to what is it it's like how can you love anyone else if you can't love yourself yeah if you can't love if yourself, you can't even like yourself yeah yeah you ain't gone you know like you have to be able to love and or, and that's the thing some people and I notice it in my clients they come to me and I'm like they're like love loving myself seems so far away yeah and you're like absolutely that's cool. it because is if you're yeah. in the space of not loving yourself it is a huge yeah. fucking leap start with liking yourself start yep. with self-compassion that will just accepting acceptance accepting who you liking are liking yourself because mm. when you get to those spaces of being like yeah i actually i'm i'm good with myself yeah i'm at peace with myself i like myself i'm a cool person yeah i've got great qualities yeah there might be some stuff that i want to work on i'm still a cool person at my core mm. you are more willing to open yourself up and open yourself up to the idea that other people will think the same. Yes. If you don't so like true. yourself, you will go around thinking that other people won't like you, so you'll be doing whatever you can, chameleoning, people-pleasing, yes. changing yourself, wearing masks, to try and make yourself something something or someone that you think they will like. Yeah. But again, that is not and never will be the foundation of a healthy relationship. Definitely not. And even like, I just made this reel the other day, in friendships, like something that a lot of people come to me with is this anxiety in friendships of, do they even like me, you know? like that constant insecurity do they actually like me do they actually like me and what I shared in that reel go and watch if you haven't seen it but was the real reason that you are constantly questioning if your friends actually like you or not is not because it's nothing to do with them it's because there's a part of you that doesn't like another part of you yes. you know there's a part of you that has rejected or abandoned or thinks it's a part of you that's very authentic to you is very annoying you know a part of you that's not worthy of love a part of you that you've been told and it might be the part of you that feels anger it might feel that it might be the anxious part of you you know the worrier you might have like if you actually look within yourself and go to your anxious attachment style, because if you're listening, you've probably got anxious attachment. If you actually think about how do I feel towards the anxious part of me, are you like, oh, that's so ugly? Are you so ashamed of that? Then of course, you're going to be recreating this insecurity of I'm not worthy of love. Therefore, why would other people like me? You're going to project that feeling you have inside of you. You're going to push that out into your relationships, into your friendships and romantic relationships because attachment styles are in friendships like 100 million percent, but they're a little bit different because there's not as much vulnerability and future building and all and that intimacy, stuff. intimacy, exactly. And intimacy. Um, however, like, a deep friendship with true intimacy you'll notice like the real attachment styles present you know uh, i uh, joke to my best friend all the time that i've got an anxious attachment <laughs> she's very secure now she was avoided but she's now very secure wow and she's in a very loving secure relationship and i joke that like i, I have an anxious attachment <laughs> and there's absolutely been points yeah. and when i look back when i made that joke i was like absolutely there is point points in our friendship where i've been like anxiously attached to her oh, yes, and yep. terrified she'd leave mm, so true so but there's look, not that intensity yeah, that comes with yes, the relationship of being terrified much, your partner's gonna leave there's not as much risk yes. right and because there's all this 
like friendships never really officially break up. You know, they might end and they might, you know, flutter away, but it's, there's not as, but friendship breakups do happen and they're horrible and we don't speak about them enough either. But what we see and what we feel is, you know, you need to have a partner in order to be happy. So when that happens, you go, oh fuck, like I've fucked up completely. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. You know, whereas friendships don't have that level of risk associated with them according to everyone else in the world. But the but point friendships are also and I, this is something else my therapist said to me you need to make a podcast for just, just things my therapist said to me honestly <laughs> honestly she's a she's a queen i love it um because coaches need coaches and therapists too Fuck yeah. um is that friendships are also a really great place to start in learning to identify attachment yes, styles and practice healing it and exactly because it has less risk oh my god that makes so much sense because okay. i sat there going i don't think i could i I've, I've dated all these avoidant partners. I've dated all these avoidant men. I don't even know if I could, I, I trust myself to identify a secure partner. And she told me, she was like, use your friends. Wow. She okay. was like, Let, go I through a list this. of your friends and tell me who you think is secure, who you mm-hmm. think is avoidant, who you think is anxious and what are the reasons. And I did it for her. And I was like, I could identify, you know, of quite a few of my friends that were, or my friends' boyfriends that were very clearly secure. And mm-hmm. she's like, see, you do know what you're looking for interesting and it's a gr- it's great to be around them and i surround myself around them a lot more and i surround myself because a lot of my friends are in relationships mm-hmm. like majority of them are in relationships and i like spending time with the couples and i'm very blessed to live with a couple <laughs> that are so beautifully securely attached because it's incredibly healing to see that secure relationships mm-hmm. exist it's possible particularly yeah. too with uh, with friends of mine that also identify as being anxious but mm-hmm. they're in such beautiful secure safe relationships because their partners create such beautiful safety and security I for them yeah and just being around that kind of energy it's expanding and it's, it's particularly because it's possible the reason we have these anxious attachments is because we were often what surrounded we what we was, saw yeah. was avoidance yes. you know for me in particular i have a father who is incredibly avoidant and emotionally mm. unavailable hashtag daddy issues <laughs> um and so that's all i knew so of course i was going to go date a string of emotionally unavailable men because yeah. it's what was familiar yeah. your brain was like that's what i know that. Yeah. i know that i know it sucks but at least i know it yes. at least i can predict yes what would happen totally even if it's uncomfortable <laughs> so being around secure friends secure relationships just brings it into awareness that it does exist mm. and that it's totally possible for you to have for you yes. to find um because i think i think it's i'm can't be quite sure on the exact percentages but majority of people are secure wow it's just when you're an anxious or when you're an avoidant that comes from somewhere and so it's what yeah. you know what you, what you know, know and what you see what right you see. yeah totally yep. and it's why secure people continue to be so secure <laughs> because they're like secure, secure people are exists. all around me yeah they don't have the doubt yeah that so us true. anxious and avoidance tend to have that's so true. so use your friends use as your practice. friends use and your i love friends that and to yeah support you make a list or explore what attachment style do you some have. journaling on yeah it. in your particular friendships and see cool like is there a way that i might shift this to being a little bit more secure or is there a friend that really triggers me into this i wonder why that is and just start getting curious about how you attach to people how you connect with people about your patterns start looking into your childhood and of course if you're looking for support in either of this head to kendall's fucking page um and she will support you in this but it is my jam it is your fucking jam it It is so you're so great sharing all this stuff about it so 
Kimball again, can you tell us where can people find you and where can people learn more? Do you have any offerings around this at the moment? Anything you want to share? Amazing. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram um, at just Kendall Brown Coaching. Um, Kendall with two L's. Kendall with two L's. Um, Kendall Brown Coaching. And I don't have any specific offerings around this at the moment, but I will drop in a sneaky tease. Depending on when you're listening to this, it might be out or not, but <laughs> I'm launching it next week. Um, it is called the Shadow Worker Mini Mastermind, and we will be going into parent wounds, attachment wounds, past relationship wounds, and doing the actual healing work of this. I specialize in traumatic clearing, trauma clearing, emotional processing on a both uh, emotional, physical, and somatic, and mental and energetic level. So we're going to clear all that shit out. I only up until now have done this kind of healing with one-on-one clients, and mm. now I am making it into a group program. Woo-hoo. So if you are relating to a lot of this, Flick me a DM and let's chat about how we can get you in there and get you healing this because it really will change your life. It fucking will. Thank you so much, Kendall. Thank you so much for listening. That was awesome.